And welcome to the studios of Triple H 100.1 FM. You are listening live across Hornsby, Karingai. And if you're listening to us online, welcome. My name is Alexi Boyd. This is, of course, Small Biz Matters. And today we are bringing another round of fantastic small business education. There's lots of stuff for us to learn at the moment. I would say we're all learning on the fly as well. There's a lot to um, take on board and to absorb as small businesses. There's a lot of opportunities out there. There's a lot of packages that we can access at the moment. And we're, of course, going through the biggest state of flux that we can possibly imagine. Today's program is all about education as well as finding out from our government ministers what is on offer. So I will say I'm a little bit I'm not going to say sick of hearing about coronavirus. I'm sure we all are. But like I said, there's lots to learn. So today we've got uh, Minister Damien Tudhope. He is, of course, the uh, New South Wales Minister for Finance and Small Business. And he's going to be taking aside, put, taking, uh, you know, taking us um, aside and explaining the definitions around how the New South Wales uh, stimulus package is going to be fairly distributed. Um, and now that the ATO has got everything up and running later on at 9.30, we've got the incredible, the formidable Matthew Addison, who is the uh, chairman of the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers. He'll be joining us and taking us through the JobKeeper stimulus specifically, helping you unpack what it is that you need to do. But first, let me uh, bring online Minister Tude Hope. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Minister. It's lovely to be with you. Uh, now, I'm just going to have a play around. Indeed, indeed. I'm just going to have a bit of a play around with my volume because I can hear that you're very quiet, which is what happened to me last week. God bless technology. Hang on a sec. Let me find my volume, sound. That's what I need. Let's turn you right up. All right, give me a try now. Okay. Is that better? It is. Thank you. I've got you online now. Thank you so much. Um, so first of all, welcome to the program. You've been in uh, Triple H studios before and you've supported our local community radio station. So well done. But this is the first time I've had you on my program. And I'm looking forward to speaking to you firstly about um, the New South Wales stimulus package, which is newly announced. Uh, I believe it is now available for applications. But I also want to talk to you in general about what the New South Wales government is doing to support small business in general. So in this role, tell me what your experiences have been in the last few months um, with uh, connecting with small business and uh, finding out what their problems are. Well, there's a, there's a few levels on which I do that. Um, yeah, there's certainly the Department of Industry and Trade and their connections with uh, small, small business, but they're principally uh, my involvement with through the small business is my relationship with the Office of the Commissioner for Small Business and uh, my interaction with lots of businesses, uh, both through crisis situations and we've uh, faced drought and bushfire and now uh, COVID, has generally been uh, how are we approaching uh, those crises to make sure and give a hand to, be, to small businesses survive. Um, you're in the world, though, uh, Alex, of the day-to-day uh, way in which small business uh, operates and one of the really important things is is that small business isn't just about preparing for the next crisis. It's about being there for the long haul, being there in two years' time, uh, and just the day-to-day awareness of how we run our uh, small business. So uh, issues like how we enter into leases uh, and how we resolve conflicts in respect of issue, uh, leases, how we deal with our suppliers, how we deal with internet security, all those sort of things are the day-to-day bread and butter uh, of small businesses, and uh, there is uh, there are lots of things that government can do, and the Office of Small Business uh, is really at the cold face of dealing with issues uh, for whether it's being rental issues or supplier issues or the like. Um, franchise is another big issue, uh, which uh, is uh, part of the uh, issues which they have to deal with uh, on a regular basis. So um, it, 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 it's been a... Uh, We've in the last 12 months uh, since I've been in this job, it's been really uh, a lot about uh, crisis management. But the, the other side of it is, uh, and it's where I suppose I have some background and expertise, is, is the, the, the day-to-day 
involvement and giving assistance to the small businesses and the way government interacts with them. It's interesting when you talk about, I guess I'm going to describe them as mega issues because they're issues that are affecting the entire business community. Obviously, a drought in in the whole of New South Wales is going to um, trickle down the supply chain and have a knock-on effect to businesses all over the place. If everybody tightens their belt and doesn't spend money with one another, then we're going to have um, sort of almost a mini recession going on. So your office, just so I understand the practicalities, you deal with um, bringing together, I guess, agencies and advocacy groups and professional associations to put them into a discussion to help solve the problems on a broader scale. But the New South Wales Small Business Commissioner that you mentioned would be someone to approach on a more of an individual issue basis, or is everybody just working together? Well, I think it is a bit of both. Uh, Certainly in terms of problem solving and policy making, um, uh, they're two distinct uh, issues. The coalface is is the day-to-day solving of issues uh, and we've got a very professional service in the uh, Office of Small Business, but we have uh, Business New South Wales, or as they used to be, the the Chamber of Commerce uh, and lots of other industry groups, whether it's the Retail Traders Association, uh, whether it's the... um, uh, small Business Council or whatever, uh, we have lots of interactions with those bodies uh, to get policy feedback about how we uh, could make it easier for uh, businesses uh, uh, to do well. Uh, payroll tax is obviously something where we uh, get a lot of input uh, from various cha- chambers of com- uh, commerce um, and that's a bit of a response uh, to drought. I did a very expansive uh, uh, regional tour uh, last year uh, to get a feel for how small business was coping uh, with drought in uh, lots of regional areas. And there were some terrible stories, I have to tell you, Alex, about how small businesses in regional areas uh, were doing. Uh, and what's what's the policy response of government to that? And certainly there's a lot of infrastructure work being done in regional areas uh, to try and get money flowing through those towns Uh, so that uh, those businesses could survive. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about those infrastructure projects because they're obviously a massive way that the government um, utilises its its monetary function to be able to get the stimulus going and get um, money flowing into a particular area. Is there any guarantees for small business owners who are working in and around um, an infrastructure project that they can access the procurement process more easily? I guess what I'm asking is, do you make it a priority with these large-scale projects to employ people who are local to the area first and foremost? And how can people find out about those if, if, the, if the priority is given to people who are more uh, close by? That's a really good question. It's one of the things that I've been very driven by uh, in this role is to try and get more uh, local businesses uh, involved in, in in government work. Um, one of the things that uh, I, I'm very exercised by is, is uh, and was brought home to me in a, a lot of, by a lot of small businesses in regional areas. So like I went to one, one town and a, a woman says to me, um, why does the local hospital get its printing done in Sydney where I'm a printer in this town uh, and I could do the work uh, for just as easily? What, what, what is the impediment uh, to um, me getting that work? And, and quite frankly, I didn't have an answer for it. So we, it, Procurement New South Wales has now has developed a small business uh, policy where, in fact, it, it is set in place guidelines for all agencies of government to contract with local small businesses. So what we are wanting to do is to say to, um, uh, to whether it's the school in the local town, whether it's the hospital in the local town, whether it's uh, uh, even uh, dealing with councils, that you should look to, to uh, source the work from a local small business uh, rather than uh, from uh, a big Sydney contractor or big metropolitan contractor. And we're saying, for example, uh, for... Uh, contracts up to $50,000, individual schools or agencies have the ability to just go out and procure from a local small business. So if you need a new computer and you're in a a regional town, there's no reason why you can't go down to your local computer shop and buy it there. You don't have to go through Assets New South Wales to do that. You can uh, have the discretion to be able to uh, use a local business uh, for that if you need plumbing services done. You don't have to go through uh, some sort of uh, contracting uh, process. You can go down and uh, and 
and contract with a local plumber or electrician or whatever it is. So whose office monitors that? Who's in charge of um, monitoring that and making sure it actually happens on the ground in reality? Yeah. Well, the way it happens is each individual agency has to report back to Procurement New South Wales about, about the manner in which they are achieving the targets we've set for them for ensuring... Uh, that small businesses uh, are achieving uh, those targets. And, in fact, it goes further because for contracts up to a million dollars, again, we have even the big suppliers have to show that they are using local contractors uh, in relation to it. And and, and let me just say there's one very specific example. uh, In in respect of the bushfire cleanup for a lot of the regional areas, we employed a contractor called Lang O'Rourke uh, to do that contract. A provision in relation to that, or the understanding or agreement we reached, was that in doing that work, we must, in fact, uh, use uh, local uh, contractors uh, for the purpose of doing that work. And that's been very successful. Lots of uh, small businesses locally are getting that work, and that's been a big stimulus to try and get those towns who are very affected by bushfire Uh, to uh, get moving again, getting money flowing back into those towns uh, for the purpose of doing that work. Is that publicly available, that information? So say if the local Chamber of Commerce wanted to investigate whether or not that's actually been happening, they can, um, that's publicly available and they can ask for that information? Absolutely, that's publicly uh, available information. And just by the moment, we're uh, in fact uh, developing a whole scheme called Buy New South Wales and we're inviting small businesses to go and register to be a contractor to government. Now, certainly in the IT area at the moment, it's been wheeled out in, in a big way, but we want uh, going forward to across government to be able to say, do you want to be a supplier to government? Come and register with government. We've tried to simplify the process to be able to say, um, if you want a cut of the uh, of the New South Wales procurement work, uh, then you should register with us uh, for the purposes of being able to get that work. I mean, what that does is once you are a registered supplier to government, a local school or agency uh, can go to the website and say, who is the local contractor in my area that I might need? And we're able to match up the agency with a local supplier for the purposes of doing that. So we're expanding that process uh, in a very big way over the next 12 months to make sure that we try and get as many local suppliers registered to be able to provide services to the government. And is that free? Is that free at the moment to join us? Absolutely absolutely free. Uh, you can register and, and tell us all about yourself and what you do and what contracts you do, how, how long you've been around, uh, so that we know that, uh, that you're capable of performing that contract. But let me just say one thing about that. I know one thing you're very passionate about is faster payment terms. And uh, in, in terms of the government's approach to faster payment terms, we have developed a policy that if, in fact, you are a contractor to government, we will pay you within five days. And that's uh, that's on the basis that you are a registered supplier. State, don't know, state government. There's a big state yeah. So people need to know who they're dealing with because... And, and I was going to ask you about that because you know that this is one thing that I really bang on about, which is about payment terms, about mandating it. Kate Carnell's office came out yesterday saying that she would support and thinks it's time for a 30-day mandated payment times, which in my opinion is not fast enough, but it's a good start. If the federal government was to go to all of the states and bring all the small business ministers together around a round table, would the New South Wales government support a 30-day minimum payment term for all invoices, private and public? Well, um, it's, it's, it's tricky. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not ducking that. I'm just saying government in the first place. We, we, we should be a model, model debtor. So, in other words, if we enter into a contract with someone, we should be the model of how we should be behaving in the commercial world. And we, in fact, have our terms at five days. We will pay you within five days, not 30 days. Uh, the model which you say should be mandated is a 30-day term. The only caveat I have in respect of mandating it is uh, making sure that you do not override quality control issues. Uh, if, in fact... Um, there is, and, and, and having been in practice in commercial litigation, I knew uh, know that there are lots of people who try to duck payment by raising a quality issue in respect of the services provided or, or the like, and that was then used as a tool for delaying payment. So I'm very very aware of the issue. However, uh, um, the 
a contractor who says, I've done the work, I now want to be paid, and yet the work is still is substandard. How do we protect that uh, consumer situation to be able to say, well, why should I necessarily have to pay someone who has not yet completed the contract in accordance with their terms? So it's just a bit tricky how you would draft the legislation. In principle, I support it. I, when I was in my own business, I used to hate it. When I used to do a case for someone, you'd send them a bill and 120 days later you still hadn't been paid. Now, I have to say that, that, that that's a recipe for going broke. Oh, absolutely. And and the, the information that's coming out of Kate Carnell's office and the federal level is that um, creating these lists uh, which indicate how much corporate Australia, how long corporate Australia on an individual level is taking to pay their suppliers means nothing. If you're a, if you're a plumber who has a $10,000 opportunity or a $100,000 opportunity, you're not going to turn it down because you know you're not going to get paid for 60 days. You're just going to wear the cost. So all of the yep. other strategies that have been in place, they don't work. We need that word mandated because it gives the opportunity for, yes, and I understand what you're saying about dodgy work and and things not being paid because they shouldn't be paid for, but that's a legal question. That's not a procurement question. And if you've got a PO and you've completed the work and the work's been handed over, and to some extent with corporate Australia, if the work is being used, I mean, we're talking all about an entire creative industry where their work is actually utilised and and put out there in in the market. Um, and they're not paid for 60 days, it's ludicrous. And if you want to talk about instant jobs and growth and accelerating an economy, I can't think of a better way to do it. Well, you say it's ludicrous, I say it's immoral. Uh, I think people are entitled to be paid for the work and services they provide and the the creative industry like you've identified. If they they have in fact delivered a concert or some other uh, item of uh, creative expertise, they should be paid very quickly, in, uh, in my view. Just on that very point, though, one thing that is really important is we, in fact, when we are deal with, dealing with the big contractors now, and say it's a large uh, infrastructure project, we are, in fact, saying to those contractors, you have to write it into your contracts with your subcontractors that you will pay them uh, within five days. So we, we, to the extent that we are using the force of government and the, the buying power of government, we're in fact trying to create a new culture which says that paying people faster is, as you've just described, important for productivity and growth. So paying people and getting them on time so that they can pay their employees uh, is now a component of the culture we're trying to create in terms of uh, procurement by government. Well, that's certainly positive. What can people do if they're in experiencing issues with that process and they're finding they're not getting paid on time? Where do they go? Is it New South Wales Small Business Commissioner? Is it your office? Is it procurement? Is it Service New South Wales? Where can they go for help? Oh, well, certainly the Service Commissioner is the, uh, is the place to go. But if, in fact... There are people not being paid by government. Uh, I would expect them to go to the Small Business Commissioner in a big hurry uh, to get paid. One of the things that we've really driven in government is customer service. And uh, uh, through the Office of Customer or Service New South Wales, we are driving a, a, a culture change where the customer is the front and centre of all that we do. Uh, and, and, and it should be the same in business. We should be saying that the small business is at front and centre of driving and, and the economy forward. And you know, certainly coming out of COVID, uh, the, the, the real recovery uh, from in relation to all this is how many businesses will be there at the other end of this, survive this and drive the economy uh, on the other side. Well, speaking of stimulus and getting everything going again, what is the New South Wales government doing in terms of their small business package? Could you help us understand it a little bit better and maybe what the process is to apply? Well, um, when you say the small business is a stimulus package, it is, it is multi-layered. I know you've had on your program the tax office and, and I think you mentioned you had Kate Carnell uh, last week. Uh, the problem I see with uh, at the moment, and I'll come to the the package in just half a tick, but is there is so much available to small businesses to try and make sure that they're there. And in fact, my office did a a list the other day and and there were some eight pages of stimulus packages available, whether it's federal government, state government, whether it's drought, bushfire, COVID, all of these things which are available. 
And one of the things I really worry about is that if I'm a small business owner, I just freeze in the moment and say, I just don't know how to cope with all this and I don't know where to go. And I'm really, really strong on trying to get people to get advice. Uh, the really important component of this is to say, I've got a crisis at the moment. My business is shut. I'm earning no income. My customers aren't around. How am I going to be there at the end? And what do I do to restructure my business? What's available to me from governments by way of stimulus packages or the like, whether it's the Australian government, the state government? How do I know to, to wade my way through all the bureaucratic entanglement which might exist in terms of me accessing some finance, some money to come into my business so that I can continue to operate, whether it's job keeper, job seeker, cash, cash bonuses, payroll tax reductions, all those things, there's a tendency to say, I just don't know where to go. And that's why I'm very keen to ensure that people actually go and get advice to say, here is the sort of things that are available to you because one of the best ways of getting through this is to uh, avail yourselves of all the packages uh, which might be available. Oh, absolutely. Now, There's a lot of information out there in the media. You can simply choose one media channel and follow their direction because there's a lot of information out there or just go to your accountant and bookkeeper and bass agent because they're the ones who are unpacking it all on multiple yeah. layers for lots of different clients. Let I, I really want to get to, because yeah. we've only got a few minutes late, let's talk about the government <laughs> stimulus package for New South Wales. Yeah. But it's on a number of levels. The one I think that you're particularly uh, addressing is the $10,000 small business grant. Uh, And that's primarily uh, directed at small businesses who've had a 75% reduction in their income. Uh, They employ um, uh, between 1 and 19 uh, people. Uh, they uh, are able to demonstrate that they have had that uh, reduction in their income and they've got a payroll uh, of less than uh, $900,000. That's available uh, through uh, the through Service New South Wales. It's a very uh, small... It only opened on Monday and I think we've already processed uh, $95 million worth of, of grants uh, in relation to small businesses applying for those grants. So the level of downturn is really quite massive when you look at the number of businesses applying for that grant and uh, the the speed with which we're you know, turning around. And, in fact, um, the uh, Service New South Wales tell us that they're generally turning around applications within two days and that's from the application to the money in people's bank accounts. I'd, I'd like to ask you this. Um, there were a few categories of businesses that were highlighted um, as being av- eligible for the New South Wales uh, $10,000 grant. Uh can, can you just describe to me what uh, – there was one that was a bit vague, which was the professional services area. Is that anybody who is in a sort of a consulting role? What, what well, do you consider to be that? Or should people just apply and see if they, they're eligible? Should, what, what's your my, advice my if advice, people are unsure? My, well, my advice would be that whether you're a service business, whether you're a retail business, whether you're a trading business, uh, they are all small businesses and um, – uh, my view would be that you would apply uh, if you're a consultancy organisation which supplies a service and all your businesses uh, have walked away. Uh, you know, I, I would hope that's not the case, I must say, uh, certainly in relation to financial consultancy. Uh, but uh, if you're a business which has had that 75% downturn attributable to, you know, and you can demonstrate it between your figures this, this time last year and your figures this time, uh, the same period this year, then... In those circumstances, uh, you ought to, apply, ought to apply. And what the, uh, the Service New South Wales are doing is they are being using discretion in relation to that to make sure that uh, as many businesses as possible fit within the criteria rather than are excluded. Now, often our experiences with government, we look at reasons why not. This is a, a circumstance where government is saying we want to get some money out, out the door to small businesses to make sure they can continue to pay the electricity bills and other things which are necessary for them to continue to be in business. And we should mention as well that you need to demonstrate that you're using that against things like utilities and basic requirements to run a business, which is very important. It is for business activity. And Service New South Wales is the go-to if you've got any questions. It sounds to me like your advice at the moment is, look, just apply for it. Perhaps don't bank on it, but apply for it, get some advice, find out from Service New South Wales if you're eligible. But there is very quick turnarounds going on with these payments around two days, you're saying? Correct. 
Okay, fantastic. Look, correct. And in fact, I, I, I got yeah, some. Go. <laughs> I know. I was just going to say, Minister Tudor, we've actually come right to the top of where we have to uh, finish. I, I really understand that your time is um, is quite um, valuable. And I, I just want to thank you very much for coming on Small Biz Matters. Uh, those of you who are listening have just tuned in. You can, of course, catch up via smallbizmatters.com.au, via iTunes or Spotify, wherever you digest your podcasts. Uh, Minister Tudor, Hope, thank you very much once again for coming on the program. Anytime, Alex. Thank you very much. I will bring on uh, Minister Tudhope again probably in the next uh, few months to see how um, everything is tracking with all of the stimulus packages and the opportunities that are there for small business. Things may have evolved. They may have changed. Um, hopefully the economy is back up on its feet somewhat in the coming months. We're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters. When we return, we've got Matthew Addison, the god of bookkeeping, to help us unpack the JobKeeper package. You're listening to Small Biz Matters. We'll be back after this. That's right. We have Matthew Addison. I'm super excited. I know you're super excited. You may not know who Matthew Addison is, but if you are in the accounting and bookkeeping world, you certainly do. He has been supporting us through this, uh, I guess, the unpacking, the understanding, the explanations on behalf of bookkeepers. And I'm thrilled to be bringing him on Small Biz Matters today to talk about um, it from a small business's perspective. Because, of course, if you're a bookkeeper, you are very much an advocate for your clients and your small businesses. Firstly, what I would like to do is have a quick look at uh, live traffic, New South Wales, which is kind of a bit funny because there's no cars on the road anyway. Uh, so if we look at, um, well, there's nothing. There's DY, the sturdy parade between Pittwater Road and Pacific Parade. There's emergency road work due to sewer main repairs. That's it. Sydney forecast. Sunny today, 25 degrees, chance of rain, 5%. Tomorrow, 25 degrees, 5% chance of rain. And Thursday, 26. And if we look at uh, any sort of transport issues, everything's fine because nobody's on the trains to be causing any problems. I, I, I don't know, trains even running? It's like this ethereal thing that's going through Sydney that may or may not be having any effect on the transport of people who aren't going anywhere. What a weird world we live in. So today we're bringing it to the program, Matthew Addison, who, as I mentioned before, is a very, very important um, role model, supporter, advocate, not only for the bookkeeping profession. He's the chair of ICB, the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers, and joins us today to assist with unpacking quite specifically the JobKeeper stimulus more more than anything else, because that's, that's where we're living in at the moment. It was uh, brought live uh, about 24 hours ago by the ATO. They all worked very hard to make sure that it was available to um, small businesses and bookkeepers and accountants to access. And today he's going to be assisting us with uh, bringing on board um, uh, businesses and helping them to understand what eligibility is and how what the process is to manage. So welcome to the program, Matthew. Lexi, greetings and to all, welcome and um, really good to be here and have a chance to have a chat. Indeed, thank you very much for joining us. I know that the bookkeeping profession has been probably the busiest, as you've mentioned in a couple of your webinars, the busiest time of our lives, um, frustratingly so, but as we are there for our small businesses, that's what it's all about. So let's talk about really briefly, I just want to go over the, the different major stimulus opportunities that are there and then we're going to focus on JobKeeper. So just take us quickly through what um, the four options are or the options are for small business at the moment. Uh, so Alexi, we've got that cash flow stimulus uh, called the cash boost um, that relates to the POYGW amounts that employers have paid for the March quarter or April, May, June quarters going, uh, months or quarters going forward. So there's a minimum amount now of $10,000 that uh, somebody who was employing and reported that on their March will be able to get, or it's 50% or, sorry, 100% of your POYGW amounts going forward, up to a total of $50,000 per round. So round one comes off the BAS, and then round two will be the same amount again uh, paid uh, post-June. So um, it's quite a, a good cash boost, boost method. Um, officially, it kicks off on the 28th of April. So the ATO systems will be in a place to look at all the BASs that have been lodged and apply the, the cash boost amount. And then when BASs come in after the 28th of April, they will automatically apply the cash boost amount. And the key takeaway um, for that, of course, for small business is get your BASs done as quickly as you can because that is that going to be the impetus for the, the cash flow stimulus to be hitting your ATO account? Uh, 
the cash boost will not hit um, your account without the March bans being lodged. Okay. So um, it, there, there's other talk about if you don't get it for March, but you will get it for April or later, um, that then you clearly need to lodge the April or later activity statements and the, the boost will hit. There's a little bit of a difference, Alexi, I'll just draw out about whether BASAs are lodged before the 28th or after the 28th. The net effect is the same. The business will get the same, but whether it's all in cash or whether it just uh, pays off some more of the BAS debt um, is is the difference between the 28th. ATO are in testing of that at the moment. Um, it's well developed and certainly will be ready by the 28th. Excellent. And of course, um, key message there is to just get your BAS done as quickly as possible, but also to remember that and, and this is an important question I've been receiving from a number of small businesses. There's absolutely no flexibility when it comes to super. Um, and obviously your, G debt, your GST debt still remains the same. You're still having to pay whatever your net result is of GST. That still goes onto your account. There's no changes with that, correct? Yep, correct. So um, 28th and that super payment is really a key date. Um, so the super guarantee payments that are due this month for the March quarter, there is no flexibility. Um, there's nothing that can be done there. Excellent. Absolutely. Instant asset write-off, we're pretty familiar with that. It was uh, at a certain level at one stage and then uh, further down the line, it's, it's gone up to 150000 Bit of a strange one to announce given that I can't imagine a large proportion of businesses have up to $150,000 lying around, but for those who do, an opportunity to instantly write off that asset on their books, correct? Uh, Alexi, correct. Um, funny, I was asked about this from a government's point of view yesterday, just about how business have grabbed the instant asset write-off or the advanced depreciation um, rules that have been brought in and what can they do moving forward. So really to me, it is a longer term incentive. It's one where businesses may have been on the teeter of deciding should they invest in that new piece of equipment because the actual cash benefit is not until they've lodged a tax return and they'll pay less tax. So both the instant asset write-off and the depreciation one um, are a little bit more longer term. So I see that really being for the mid-market if you, you want to use that term, not necessarily a, a huge win for the smaller businesses. And then, of course, uh, everyday people who are experiencing high levels of unemployment, zero levels of money, uh, can, of course, access their super. Um, we, won't, we won't talk about that too much because uh, apart from the sole traders out there who are really experiencing difficulty, um, that's something to talk to your about financial advisor about or whether or not that's a good idea for you in your individual circumstance. Let's talk about uh, the guarantee. So, so oh, sorry, you do I, want to talk about Can I just that? go there, Alexi? Yes. Absolutely, with the super. You've actually stolen my comments on that because if you'd asked me any comments about super, I was going to say I'm not answering your questions because although I'm a tax agent and illegally allowed to do some of that stuff, I don't play in super. So I'm not competent to answer the questions about that super withdrawal and the bookkeeper's BAS agent should not be answering questions about the super withdrawal either. So for business people or the bookkeeper's BAS agents helping their businesses, refer to the financial planners or the appropriately qualified accountants to get that advice. That's very important. So we're on, on exactly the same wavelength on that one. We should also, also uh, to, I should have top and tailed this, uh, this um, actual podcast with the fact that this information is very, very, very general in nature and is certainly not specific to anyone listening and you need to seek proper financial advice. Uh, before taking any of this information on board. Now, a big one at the moment, now that we're all absorbing and getting our heads around the JobKeeper and the other stimulus measures, I just want to briefly talk about the commercial rent relief because that is a huge issue for anyone in small business that has premises. Um, my understanding is that it's not necessarily mandated, but there's wording um, around the legislation, what is it? What rights does a small business owner have around that commercial rent relief? So the mandated bit is interesting, Alexi, because the ki uh, <laughs> nearly called it the kitchen cabinet, the national cabinet um, have decided to mandate a rental uh, position. So, and the state governments are needing to pick that up and impose it. And I am hearing good news out of the states of being really on side with it. That's why the National Cabinet agreed with it. So the commercial rent relief provisions are out there. 
In general, we are hearing some good stories about landlords embracing their tenants and working with their tenants. But there are some other stories as well where it hasn't been a good discussion or a building of the relationship. So, um, yeah, look, what we're hearing is um, in some cases it's months of relief from rent. In other cases, it's doing that assessment. And this is where the mandated code goes for the landlord and the tenant to sit there together and look at what is realistic for the next three months to stay up to date and not have to break the commercial contract. And it's very much based on what you can prove in terms of your downturn. So once again, it's important that you keep and continue to maintain your accounts and keep them up to date as possible so that you can have that open line of communications with your your uh, your landlord or your real estate agent. But could I just say, if you are experiencing difficulty with that relationship, your first port of call is your small business commissioner in your state. Uh, my understanding is because the states are almost looking after this, they're not necessarily, the trickle down effect of the mandating is coming from federal, but the state governments are the ones who are um, looking after the issues that are coming up out. So check out, if you're in New South Wales, look for the New South Wales Small Business Commissioner and they can assist. Yep, 100% spot on that. That interesting dilemma between what's federal and what's state, Alexi, but that's where I really like what the work the National Cabinet have done to get them all on the same page. It is very refreshing to see all of them in the one room, like for the fighting for the power of good. I, I must say it's... um. It's odd. Another odd thing about the uh, situation we find ourselves in, the ongoing Groundhog Day. Let's talk about JobKeeper. So about, um, it's all been, been finalised. It feels as though it's ready to go. The ATO have come to the party. It's all, all of the assessable procedures. We've got software companies putting things in place that are accurate and supportive and makes it easier. Tell me about the JobKeeper largely. What, what's the advice that you're giving to small businesses? So what, what is really the first trigger is, is the employer eligible to be a part of the JobKeeper scheme? We've seen some unfortunate communication pieces that have told employers, hey, all your employees will get 1500 bucks. It's not quite right. The employer has had to have a decline in turnover because of the COVID-19. So we, um, we've got to get over that employer hoop. The outlines are there. There's some nuances around the the words. There is some more communication coming from government uh, a little bit later this week, hopefully, to talk about the alternate tests for the decline in turnover. Right now, we have the basic ones. Compare the month of March to March last year. Compare the quarter of March to the same quarter last year. Compare the projected month or quarter starting April to the same time last year. Now that's okay. And if you get over over the basic tests, it's self-assessment and that's really easy. You're in. The ATO website will give you a receipt that says we've received your enrolment. That's it. You're in the system. um, Don't defraud the system. Don't, you know, take it in the wrong wrong place. Don't scheme the arrangements or your financial reports, but you can project the next month or next quarter to get in. Uh, Could I just ask that, just take you back a step, because a lot of um, small business owners might not understand what that turnover expression is. Could you just be quite definitive about what it is? What are those numbers they're looking at on on their number sheet? So what the law brought in, Alexi, was GST turnover is the definition. That doesn't mean you have to be registered for GST. What they did was just brought in this generally accepted definition of of what are the value of supplies you've made or what are the value of the supplies you will make is the technical. Income. Income. That's it. Income. Generally, income. XGST. XGST. That's important. XGST income and it's not your interest and it's not your residential rent. So input taxed things for GST law are not included. But your your general sales activity, that's what they're looking at. Fantastic. So they you figure out that based on the, the number of models, as you mentioned, there's some quite specific ones, but there's going to be more information coming out later this week. This is why you've got to be switched on this week, because what is the deadline for registering we've all we've all put our details in to get updates and I've had some people come back and say oh 
Well, I'm registered. Uh, not so much. Yeah. You've got the updates. That was step one. Step two, figure out your eligibility based on what you discussed. And the ATO website has some really clear information and examples there if you're unsure. And then thirdly is register with the ATO by getting into your business portal and going through that process. Correct? So, so let, let me use three different words, Alexi. What we did was we registered our interest in getting information about JobKeeper. That was the thing that's been around for a couple of weeks. What they opened up yesterday was the enrolment of the employer. So that's a form where the employer says, I've done the decline in turnover test and I'm in and I'll give you some information. This is the number of employees I expect and I want to be in from April or I'm using March numbers. So that enrolls us in the system. And then we will apply for a JobKeeper subsidy. That applying is the real number where you're going to report to the ATO, I've got five employees and I need $1,500 per employee per fortnight. So April is a little bit different. As long as we've paid three grand to all those eligible employees, we'll get three grand back. Now, that enrolment period, if you want to be in the first uh, tranche of money that is delivered, you need to enrol between now and the 30th of April. However, 30th of April is not a drop dead date. So you can um, enrol later during the month of May and still get back paid for April money. But you have to um, have shown that you've paid your employees, correct? Correct. For, the, for that April period. And it's got to be uh, essentially the $3,000 and that's and and that's the difficulty and and just we won't go into this too much but if there's a cash flow issue this is where the banks are meant to have come to the table the account Australian Banking Association has said that there's meant to be uh, easier access and if you're experiencing difficulty with your bank over that you should actually be quickly jumping on to that and and pushing that up the chain or going to even the Australian Banking Association and saying, I've been rejected and this is the basis on what it's on. They're supposed to be coming to the party and essentially bankrolling small business before we get that to, to, to help us with that cash flow shortage. Yeah, the cash gap's a big one. And I know this was on your, your topic list, Alexi. You're right. The Australian Banking Association, go to their website, go down to the bottom of their landing page where all the bank's logos are click on the bank's logos and that's where you've got the statement from the leadership of the bank saying we are supporting this program print it out and take it to your local bank manager we're not hearing that that sme guarantee scheme or the banks at local level it's actually working we're not hearing it at all we're not hearing that they're lending the money but that is the way to do it we have asked the banking association to issue a letter or a one-pager that every business can take to their bank manager and say, here is the law, so to speak, um, to, just to free up and open up those conversations. So we're going back to the JobKeeper now. We've we've tested, we've signed up for yep. information, did that two weeks ago. We've, uh, we've worked out our eligibility and obviously it's a very good idea if you're doing this yourself or you should have an expectation of your BAS agent bookkeeper to report, like print a report. So you've got something that was produced to, to indicate that eligibility, have that stored away somewhere in your accounting software or wherever. Then you register with the ATO through the portal. And let's just do a quick thing about MyGovID. If you haven't done it already, you do need to sign up for that snazzy little app on your phone. Essentially, everyone, it's just a two-step authentication process. So just get that done. might take a little while. There is a, a dedicated phone line if you need that from the ATO and you need their help. But that's a hurdle that you might need to expect if you haven't already set it up for yourself. Then you apply through the ATO as an employer. What's next? So you've enrolled, as you've said, Alexi, you need to pay the employees. So we have this timing thing, but pay by the 30th of April. Um, look at some of the state business grants so the states are rolling over their $10,000 business support grants quite quickly. That might be a way to get some money in. We'll have an interesting timing if the ATO is giving the cash boost out really quickly around the 28th. You might get the cash boost, which helps you pay your staff by the 30th and then you're into JobKeeper as well. But the cash boost goes into your ATO client integrated account. It doesn't go into your bank account, whereas JobKeeper goes into your bank account. So it, we can't really treat that the same in terms of cash, can we? 
after the 28th, it looks like the cash boost will pop through your ATO activity statement account and be transferred straight to your bank account. Okay. If you're in credit, though, what if you've got a great like, big honking debt? Correct. So if you've got a big debt, you need to ring the ATO and talk about turning that into a payment plan? No. After the 28th, that that cash boost will pop straight through. Even if there's a credit, uh, an amount owing, it will not be absorbed by that amount owing. The cash boost will pop, pop straight out into your bank account. Okay. All right. So now we've got a little bit of cash so we can make sure that we pay our employees. And of course, everyone who's listening to this, I'm sure there's a lot of questions in and around stood down employees or or those who um, you're re-employing and every business is very different. We're just talking about quite high level things here. Uh, and so uh, the process is you need to get your employees next to sign a declaration to nominate you as the person who's getting their $1,500 that goes eventually to them, right? Yep. So Alexis, spot on. You've got to engage with your employees. The ATO have given a format. You don't have to follow that format exactly, but you've got to obtain that information and the declaration from your employee that they are also saying they're eligible and they're not claiming JobKeeper from anybody else. So you've got to give them that form. They've got to give it back to you. Once you've got that, we will end up in that first week of May, which is when we report the first months. And what we're doing is we're both reporting to the ATO and we're issuing how many employees we're claiming. So we will have given them some employee information through single-touch payroll, payroll software, just reporting out. They will also have an alternative manual form. So on through the ATO website, you'll go in and do it manually if you're not doing it through single-touch payroll. But there's also another monthly report where you report what did you turn over last month, what will you turn over next month, now, they are just statistics. That is just a sign to government of the economic um, status of your business. It does not mean you will be disqualified from JobKeeper going forward. You will be disqualified if you don't tell them the numbers. You won't be disqualified because your turnover goes up. It's a once-off turnover test. Once you've qualified, you're in, then monthly you report and monthly you'll get the money back. Now, that reporting system doesn't exist yet, Alexi. It is due for release in that first week of May. And no doubt the ATO will get that up and running. So, But it's, as you mentioned, it's just two pieces of data. It's your employee numbers and your GST turnover, the same GST turnover amount that you used as that eligibility test figure, right? Correct. Spot on. And can I just call out, because we're getting asked this a lot, People are enrolling currently right now and they're saying I've got five employees and then they've worked out they had six. How do I amend my enrolment? You do not need to. Enroll now, give them the right numbers, do the best you can and then the monthly report will fix that data. But, but you need to do that report even if you're basically telling them this information in your single-touch payroll reporting for that, for that employee number, you still need to tell them. There is still a monthly report that has to be given, yep. Okay, fantastic. So at this point, we're now reporting on a monthly basis for the previous month to the ATO. The money trickles into our bank account and then immediately goes to the employee. Let's talk no, about... No, 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 no. So again, you've talked, money comes in and then, then gets paid to the employee. Oh, I'm Just sure remember, right. you've had to have paid the employee for April. Now, April, just let me call it out, April is a little bit different. They've given us a little transition month. Long as you have paid $3,000 to each eligible employee by the 30th of April, you are eligible for the first two what they're called JobKeeper Fortnights. Officially, those JobKeeper fortnights finished on the 27th of April. So we have a few days leniency here. Going forward, you've got to pay $1,500 per employee within each of these designated JobKeeper fortnights. And I'm not going to go into all the dates here, Alexi. We'll be here for the next hour. <laughs> um, I did want to ask in relation to, obviously, this $1,500, if, for example, I pay my employee $400 per fortnight at the moment, I pay the amount to top up to $1,500. Is 
in terms of what I pay them moving forward after this first month is done and the total amount. But what about the pay-as-you-go withholding amount? Uh, how, how does that work when my employee might be paying lots and lots of income tax because they choose to, uh, but I'm getting the $1,500? How does that all work out with, with uh, bookkeeping and things? So let me see if I'm answering your question and I'll just give it. We were paying $400. Now, because of JobKeeper, we will top that up to 1500 You have to tax that according to the normal taxing scales. They will get the it's gross 1500 less tax, which I think is normally 92 So they'll get whatever that is, um, and they'll get the net amount. And the reason why um, we get the 1500 is because that's to cover us for the pay-as-you-go withholding plus whatever we pay the employee. So the important thing is this still yep. needs to go through a payroll system so that you're withholding the correct amount. Some of it's going to be their ordinary hours that they work for you and that might fluctuate if they're a casual or if they're doing unusual hours yep. and the remainder of it is the JobKeeper amount. Talk to me about the super that's payable on those two bits. So on that scenario, Alexi, $400 was for ordinary hours that that worked. You need to pay super on that 400 The top up of 1100 you don't have to pay super on. You can choose to as a business, but the way JobKeeper has been um, designed, you don't have to pay super on the top up. Same with leave entitlements. Because they've worked for the hours for the 400 you accrue leave entitlements on the 400. You don't accrue leave entitlements on the 1100 that is the top up amount. In essence, what you've got to think about is JobKeeper is a way the government is getting income support to that individual. Instead of them going to Centrelink or what's now called Services Australia and getting Job Seeker, they are now getting the Job Sorry, Matthew, we just lost you there for a minute. You were just saying we did have the job seeker, but we, sorry, we did have the job seeker, but now instead of that, it's the job keeper that the, the small business is administering. And that's what this is about, getting that money flowing through to the employees and keeping that connection with your employer. Yep, spot on. So, yes, I'm copying some internet voiping going yeah. on. It's <laughs> like, maxed out. We have come to the top of the hour. I just wanted to finish up with one question from um, an adv- advocacy point of view. Um, please be kind to your bookkeeper and BAS agent and a tax agent. At the moment, the uh, I guess we are, have become the unpackers of this legislation. Our professional associations have done a remarkable job and now we are now unpacking this for our individual um, clients. We understand that everybody's experiencing a lot of stress and we are are the ones who are going to solve that stress for you, but please be patient. From an advocate point of view, Matthew, would you like to see the politicians, I guess, having an understanding about what they're doing to support them in the mechanisms that they're trying to do to to stimulate the economy. So, Alexi, great call out. I think there is an acknowledgement um, and I think there is a recognition. We are one of the voices that are putting to government that what they need to do is like a voucher system to small business. Give them a voucher so that that small business person can then engage with a competent accredited provider of information both to help them through this period and to rebuild once we get past this period. So we're looking for a very formal system to be added to the economic stimulus. So business owners aren't sitting there going, do I pay my staff or do I go and get advice? Here's a voucher that says go and get advice. What a great idea. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's actually a really positive, logical and practical solution uh, to to, uh, support the the advisory services that are basically unpacking and, and supporting the business, the, the government in their in their desires and what they need to do. Um, look, thank you so much, Matthew, for taking us very practically and strategically through this process. As we mentioned, if you have any unusual circumstances, which every single one of you do, because everyone operates differently with their money as a small business owner, seek advice from a qualified uh, BAS agent bookkeeper first. Uh, and then obviously you've got your tax and your financial professionals that can assist. Make sure 
somebody knows what they're talking about when they're talking about it. And also, if you're experiencing difficulties, do immediately get in touch with people like the Australian Banking Association and your New South Wales or your state small business commissioner who is there to support you. Um, But thank you for the support that you offer Bass Agents and Bookkeepers. Uh, Matthew, don't know where we'd be without you, quite frankly. Um, Thank you for joining Small Biz Matters as well. Thanks, Alexi. Thanks for the chance to uh, talk to yourself and your audience. So we've come right to the top of the hour here at Triple H 100.1 FM. We're going to go to news and uh, then we'll just do a quick little unpack of the program when we come back after the news. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. Welcome back to Triple H 100.1 FM. If you're just joining us, uh, this is Alexi Boyd from Small Biz Matters, just doing a bit of a debrief on what we discussed today. We were lucky enough to have Minister Damien Tudhope on the program, who is the New South Wales Minister for Finance and Small Business. He was talking about the recent government stimulus measures which are available. Of course, there was one announced a couple of weeks ago for those experiencing hardship as a result of the coronavirus outbreak. Plus, we also had a, um, a number of stimulus measures that came out for, for drought-affected areas as well as bushfire-affected businesses. So check out the New South Wales Service New South Wales website for more information about that. What my key takeaways from that interview were that you had to have a 75% decline, which is quite significant in order to receive this $10,000 amount. However, if you weren't sure whether you fit, fit into one of the categories which they mentioned, which I believe were hospitality and retail, and then something quite vague, which was professional services. If you don't fit into any of those categories, apply regardless, contact Service New South Wales and um, and basically apply if you've had that 75% downturn and see how you go. So don't rely on that amount for your stimulus, for your for your business purposes. Um, wait until you've got further information, but definitely apply for it because you might uh, be pleasantly surprised with what is available to you. The New South Wales government also supports the New South Wales Small Business Commissioner. Now, um, if you're experiencing difficulties with landlords and the discussions that may not be going anywhere with reductions for your commercial rent, for example, or payment terms with your dealings with corporate because uh, invoices are simply not being paid, that's where you go to for support in relation to that. Now, I did ask him a very important question, which was all about cash flow stimulus. Uh, sorry, which was all about payment terms, I should say. Though my regular listeners will know that this is something that I feel very strongly about, that um, that payment terms should simply be mandated to get the economy going. You want to get money into the hands of small businesses who are more likely to spend it than keep it on their balance sheet. Then you need to actually get the money flowing through from larger organisations to smaller ones. Kate Carnell's office came out uh, this week saying that the problem with payment terms, if anything, has been completely exacerbated and accentuated by the coronavirus outbreak. We're experiencing more small businesses are taking, uh, it's, they're taking even, it's taking even longer for them to get paid for those large amounts from big business. And once again, small business is still bankrolling big business to the tunes of billions of dollars in the economy. So I'm really grateful to hear that Kate Carnell's office has supported a mandating uh, a concept um, to, go, to go to the federal government with. And interestingly, I did ask Mr. Tude Hope if all of the states were asked for their input in relation to that, that in in theory, he uh, he approved and um, and would support the idea of having a mandated turnaround for payment terms. It's absolutely crucial. Uh, putting big businesses on a list where they you know you have a public display of how long it takes you to to pay small business. Well, that really doesn't do anything. It's it's not as though it's being sprawled all over the media that you take end of the month plus two months to pay small business, which is absolutely abhorrent. And to quote the minister is uh, morally unacceptable as well. So some really good key takeaways from that interview at 9am. At 9.30, I had a minister, well, in my mind, he is a bit of a minister, but we had Matthew Addison, who is the chair of the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers, come on the program. He talked all about uh, the JobKeeper allowance in particular and the step-by-step process you need to go through as a small business owner to apply, to check you're eligible, and then communicate with your employees to ensure that they nominate you as the business to get their $1,500, and then what the process is for payment. We also talked about that 
cash flow shortage, which most businesses will experience because uh, they have to pay the for the month of April before they get the funds from the ATO from the government in relation to that $1,500 that gets paid from then on. This is a reimbursement. That's a really important point. You have to have paid your employees first. You have to have re-engaged with them. Now, we didn't talk about the HR issues with regards to employees who have been stood down or even those who have been terminated. Uh, you do need to seek advice with relation to that, um, perhaps from Fair Work or uh, from an expert such as your accountant or your BAS agent or someone who can support you with some more information in and around what to do if you've already ceased employing those employees or you've stood them down. And those of you in business will know there is a difference between those two things. We also had a bit of a chat about um, the burden that is being placed on BAS agents, tax agents at present because it is our responsibility, which it never has in the past, to unpack, understand and help educate our uh, clients so that they know what the impact is or what the stimulus that they're entitled to. And that entire burden has befallen upon the finance industry. So it was an interesting chat with Matthew in his role as the advocate, uh, the chair of the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers. How did he feel that the government could support the industry and also small business owners? We don't want to see any of uh, clients being in a position where they have to choose between getting good advice or paying an employee. That's that's not where we want to see everything sit. So there was talk of maybe some sort of a, um, a voucher system that could be on a paid on to uh, bookkeepers who are who are offering that support. Uh, and of course, it's always great to have Matthew on the program because he's very clear and um, concise about how to, uh, what the process is and the strategies are behind what the thinking is for ATO and the government to be handing down this stimulus. So a jam-packed show once again. Uh, I was very pleased to have both of my guests on the program today. If you've missed any of the show, as usual, you can catch up via smallbizmatters.com.au or wherever you listen to podcasts like iTunes or Spotify. There's over 150 there brought to you from the studios here at Triple H 100.1 FM. Thanks for joining me once again today, everyone. Uh, I look forward to unpacking hopefully no more stimulus measures. I am a little bit sick about talking about that. We'll get back to our usual programming, talking about small business education, getting back on your feet. We've got some great guests coming up, going to talk about pivoting in your business, um, some industry thought leaders about what they're doing to change their business and support other businesses similar to them uh, also. And uh, we've got some um, great information coming out about dealing with your workforce in this remote community we all live in. Well, thank you very much for joining me here on Small Biz Matters. We will be back with Triple H Normal Programming after this break and I will see you all next Tuesday for another great show. Thanks, everyone.